Well, good morning, everyone. And welcome to anyone uh, listening in on the live stream, too. Good to have you with us. So, if you have been uh, part of this church or coming to church for a while, you'll know that we're drawing uh, to the end of our series on the Beatitudes. And personally, personally I think it's been quite a helpful series. And what, what do you think? Yeah, a few nods. Some of you have one or two. So, <laughs> I hope some of you have got something from it as well. Um, but I think it's been good to dig deeper into um, some of these phrases that are perhaps familiar to our ears, but just kind of drill down into them and to understand them a bit better. I think it's been a challenging series. If you haven't been challenged, you've not been listening. Um, and along with the challenges, we've had some wonderful promises as well, right from the, the get-go. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What an amazing promise that is when we stop to just think about it and take it in. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Another great promise, and so on right the way throughout. As Christians, we're, we're quite rightly fond of the promises of God. You know, we, we memorize them, we sing about them, we display them in our houses maybe. Um, but I wonder how many of us have this verse as a fridge magnet. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You can just imagine it, can't you? On, on your fridge alongside your loved and God has a plan for your life, you know, you will be persecuted. But, Jesus says in the last of the Beatitudes, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And in, then he continues, and actually it's for the first time in the Sermon on the Mount, he moves from the, the third person to the second person. He starts talking directly to them. He says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Well, all of the Beatitudes make me feel uncomfortable, and I hope that in a good way they make you feel uncomfortable too. They should. Because, as we've repeatedly said in this series, they are uh, describing a kingdom whose values are absolutely controverted, absolutely opposite uh, to our world's values. And this last beatitude makes me particularly uncomfortable. But let's look at it more closely. You are blessed, Jesus says, when you are persecuted in any number of ways. Blessed are you when people insult you. That's a rubbish shirt you're wearing, Calvin, by the way. Thanks, thanks for that. Thank you for that. Kind of invited that on myself, didn't I, really? <laughs> The Greek word means to heap insults on, to denounce, to find fault with, to rebuke. So blessed are you, Jesus says, when people call you names. Bible basher, bigot, Jesus freak, ignorant, fundamentalist, gullible and credulous. Any of those things and more. The word Christian, in fact, was Originally a first century insult. Blessed are you when people insult you. 
Blessed are you when people slander you, uttering all kinds of evil against you falsely. Tertullian, the second century author, listed the following accusations made against the early Christians. Incest, because they called one another brother and sister. Cannibalism, because they spoke of eating the body and drinking the blood of Jesus. Atheism, because they showed no respect for the Roman gods. And, of course, disloyalty to the emperor, because they refused to worship Jesus as Lord. Luke has a parallel passage of Beatitudes in his gospel, and he writes that Jesus said, blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. So we go on, blessed are you when people hate you, regarding you with ill will. There's something about the follower of Jesus that can stir up a very strong negative emotion. Blessed are you when people exclude you. From an early age, we know how painful exclusion can be. The boy excluded from a friendship group. The girl excluded from a secret. The young man excluded from the party invitation. The older woman excluded from a conversation and so on. Blessed are you when people exclude you. Blessed are you when people reject your name as evil. The teachers of the law said of Jesus, he's possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons. He's driving out demons. Well, it's an unpleasant list, isn't it? It's an unpleasant list and we can add to it the catch-all word persecuted. And we came across this word actually in an unlikely context when we were looking at the, the seventh beatitude a couple of weeks ago. Blessed are the peacemakers. It means to pursue, to persecute, to systematically oppress and harass a person or group. Has an extended meaning of pursuing a person on foot in a chase. And that persecution, as Jesus says, can take many forms. Now, Open Doors is one of a number of non-denominational organizations supporting persecuted Christians in the world. And this short video outlines the trends in modern-day persecution.
as I say, Open Doors is just one of a number of non-denominational organisations supporting Christians across the world who are persecuted. It's been happening for 2,000 years, but the shape of that persecution changes with the modern culture. Well, we ask ourselves, well, why? Why is it that Christians are persecuted? Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. So as Christians, we can be persecuted for all sorts of reasons, because we're obnoxious and we get in people's faces, because we're weird and go on about the end times or see devils around every corner or show a deliberate ignorance of science, or because we're holier than thou, tutting about our neighbor's behavior. But we're not blessed for being persecuted for any of those reasons. Jesus says it's because of Christ, it's because of him, and because of righteousness, because we follow Christ, and because we seek to live like Christ. One author has said that a righteous life, even without a word being said, convicts and condemns the world for its lifestyle, priorities, and pretensions. And he then goes on to quote the Old Testament example of Cain, who you remember uh, murdered his brother Abel. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. So Christians are persecuted because they follow Christ and because they seek to be like Christ. And also because of their message about Christ. You know, if we kept it to ourselves, there would be so much less, so much less trouble. This is, of course, what the, Jewish, what the Jews wanted of the early Christians. They called them into their Sanhedrin, their ruling council, and commanded them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And I suggested a fortnight ago that the Beatitudes follow on from each other. And I spoke about blessed are the peacemakers. And I said then that the starting point of our peacemaking must be the message about Jesus and reconciliation with God. So it should be no surprise to us, really, that the beatitude that follows is this. Blessed are those who are persecuted, because those who will speak up about the message of Jesus and reconciliation of God, uh, with God through Jesus' death on the cross will generate hostility because the message is offensive to people. How can you tell someone something that's offensive without them being offended? William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, said, this kind of work ensures opposition and persecution. It raises the hatred of men and devils. If you'll stop quietly in your church or chapel or meeting place, you may talk of religion forever. And beyond the little passing ridicule, the ungodly will let you alone. Only proclaim the truth at the gates of the city 
or in the crowded marketplace, and they will gnash upon you with their teeth and hate you as they hated him who went about all the cities and villages in Palestine. Because of me, Jesus says to his disciples, because you live like me and because you share my message, you will be persecuted. So how do we respond? Well, incredibly, we are not to get sad or mad, but instead be glad. It's a bit simplistic, isn't it? A bit trite. But Jesus' words seem to support it. Rejoice, he says. Be glad, be delighted. Be joyful, be full of joy. Be filled with delight. These are the the Greek words that Jesus says. Be glad, rejoice when you are persecuted because of me. And I don't know about you, but once again, I find Jesus raising the bar so high that it feels completely beyond me. And yet, on one occasion after the apostles had been arrested, they'd been flogged, they'd been threatened, then they'd been released. We read the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering, disgrace for the name. The bar seems so high, and yet, with God's grace, it's reachable. Now, like all of the Beatitudes, this is completely intuitive to us. To rejoice, to be glad when I'm being persecuted. You know, if someone comes after me and insults me, or slanders me, or hates me, or excludes me, my most likely reaction is to want to fight back, to react, to lash out, to give as good as I get, or if they're too big, to maybe curl in the corner and uh, just feel sorry for myself. But basically, I want it all to stop. That's my natural reaction to persecution. But rejoice? Really? Be glad? Really? When I'm being persecuted? And yet, if we were to speak to Christians today who are being persecuted, what would they say? Nick Ripkin, who served on the mission field for 36 years, primarily in North Africa and the Middle East, writes, Ruth and I have seldom encountered a mature believer living in persecution who asked us to pray that their persecution would cease. We've never heard that request. Rather, believers in persecution ask us to pray that they would be faithful and obedient through their persecution and suffering. How is that possible? How is it possible to live up to this standard that Jesus describes? Well, I suppose the simple answer would be by the grace of God and with the strength of God. And that's obviously true. But Jesus goes beyond that to explain how. He says, first of all, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. So from our limited earthly perspective, it can appear as if the bad guys are winning. 
But Jesus invites us to, to see beyond what is visible and what is tangible to what is invisible and what is at present intangible but no less real. Jason Kenney won his seventh gold medal in Tokyo to become Britain's most decorated Olympian. Did he enjoy the gym? The hours in the gym, the punishing training schedule? Did he enjoy the diet that he had to follow? Did he enjoy the early starts? Did he enjoy the restrictions on his eating and drinking, etc.? I doubt it very much. But he endured the pain and the tears in the hope of a reward. Now, of course, some athletes will train for four years and will return with nothing. But Jesus promises his followers that at the end of the day, it will be worth it. Great is your reward in heaven, says Jesus. And secondly, he adds that you're not alone. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In other words, Jesus says you're in good company. You're on the right side. Now some people go it alone, but most of us appreciate the value of tackling challenges with others. And that community doesn't have to be immediately around us. We can take inspiration from others who've gone before, who blazed the trail, who proved that it could be done. So the writer to the Hebrews, for example, says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he's referring to the saints of the Old Testament who've gone to be with God. Let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let's run with perseverance the race marked out for us. He says, imagine, just imagine those men and women of God cheering you from the sidelines, willing you on, rooting for you, reminding you of the prize. And then because the writer to the Hebrews had the benefit of speaking after the Easter events, he can add this, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So you may be rejected and excluded and persecuted by some, but you are accepted and included and welcomed by others, most notably by Jesus himself. That is why you can rejoice. Let me just recap what we've said so far. So Jesus pronounces a blessing, a blessing on those who are persecuted for righteousness, however that persecution manifests itself, whether it's through insult or slander or hatred or exclusion or rejection or even martyrdom, a blessing is promised. But not just for anyone who is persecuted. It is for those who are persecuted because of Jesus, because they seek to live like Jesus, 
because they seek to speak for Jesus. And their response when they are persecuted is to be glad and to rejoice. That seems impossible to us. How is it possible? With the grace of God, with the strength of God, we believe it will be worth it in the end. Great is their reward, Jesus says. And because we know we're in good company. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I don't know if you notice, if you've been following the Beatitudes, but we've now come full circle. Because Jesus began with blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And now he ends them with blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What should our response be to this final beatitude? Well, if we're currently on the receiving end of some form of persecution, whatever shape that might take, then perhaps our response is to remind ourselves of the promise that God gives of the reward, the great reward, and to remind ourselves that we're not in this alone, even though we may feel alone. We are part of a worldwide community of those alive and of those who have preceded us, who are cheering us on. So we should take those two things to heart and with God's grace and with God's strength continue to persevere. What if we are troubled by our lack of persecution? John Stott says that persecution is simply the clash between two irreconcilable value systems. So perhaps our response is to examine ourselves against all of the Beatitudes in this series and ask ourselves if our values are too close to the world's values. And finally, whether we are persecuted or not, can we stand up for those who are persecuted? Especially in those parts of the world, as we have seen, where living as a Christian is a matter of life and death. Can we be more informed through organizations like Open Doors? Their vision, if you saw it on the screen, is that no Christian suffers persecution alone. So they're inviting us to stand with them, financially maybe, in prayer certainly. Can we stand with our brothers and sisters in Christ in other parts of the world? At the prayer meeting uh, yesterday morning, um, someone said something which just triggered a thought for me because... um, I'm in, I'm in the, the second category. I'm disturbed by my lack of persecution, and I've got my own heart searching to do. But I was reminded, uh, or prompted by this person, to, um, to think about the body of Christ. And it just made me think that sometimes, you know, maybe you've got a broken arm, or you've got a really bad leg, and part of you is hurting. And maybe... Maybe that part of the, the church today, that persecuted church that we've seen about in the video, maybe that's that arm. It's just, it's just in agony. But there's another arm here. This, this is my arm. 
I'm not being persecuted really for Jesus, but I'm not suffering the same pain as this arm. So can I do something with this arm? This arm is free from the pain. What can it do to support and to help? Because we're part of one body. And if we're part of one body, when this arm is hurting, even though this arm is well, we're feeling it together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, wherever we feel ourselves to be this morning, whether we are on the receiving end of some form of persecution or whether we are troubled by our lack of persecution, I pray, Lord, that you would help us find the right response to, that, to those circumstances. And Lord, whether we are persecuted or not, I pray that we would stand with our brothers and sisters in Christ who are going through hell, can we put it like that, who are suffering intensely for their faith because they do follow you. They do live for you. They do speak out for you. Lord, if, if that's where we are today, can you prompt us, please, to stand with them, to become more informed, to start to pray, maybe to give financially. Lord, soften our hearts, please. In Jesus' name, amen.